After 39 long years, the Cup is back home. The Bruins are 2011 Stanley Cup champions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 9 of Bruins Beat. It is the week of Christmas, obviously. Uh, Christmas is right around the corner, even though up here in New England it's been relatively warm, so it doesn't even feel like Christmas. But anyways, we have a great show on tap for today. We have a lot to discuss, um, especially right in the first segment. With, I want to start right away with David Pashnik. As you uh, as you and I have been talking, Jason, about, about David Pashnik either... Um, going to Providence, playing in the World Juniors, or what's going to happen when he comes back. And David Pashnik, as you told me, has been sent to Providence for a conditioning stint. And I'm very happy to hear that because earlier in the week, it was reported that Sweeney did not rule out the World Juniors and let Pashnik play because Pashnik's eligible to play because of his age. He's not. He's in the age group to be able to play. And I would have been really mad and probably upset if Pashnik played. I don't, I don't think he belongs there. I don't want him over there. I don't think he will, like he doesn't need to get hurt over there. If he gets hurt over there, why, like, it it just looks, makes makes it look so much worse because he's already played in the NHL. He's already played in Providence. Why on earth does he need to go play in the World Juniors with kids that are dra- are drafted but not in the NHL yet? They're not playing professionally. They don't need that. He doesn't need that in. He needs to be here. Get him in Providence, have him play a few games down there, and then bring him back up when he's ready. What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts on that are actually almost echoing yours. I know when we discussed this a couple weeks ago, I said, no, it might be a good move for him to go to the World Juniors, but when you put it into that perspective, I think that Pasternak should be in Providence, and what it shows with Pasternak going to Providence is that I'm thinking he'll be back by the Winter Classic. Yeah, I think so, too. He's getting his conditioning in. Obviously, he hasn't played since early on in the year. He needs a few games, but that, like I said, I want him to be in Providence. At least playing against guys that are in, in that are playing him professionally. I don't want him in the World Juniors. I don't want him to go over there and dominate. There's no reason for him to go over there and dominate. I want him to play against the best of the best. So I'll just go send him down to Providence, give him a couple games, and then bring him back up when he's ready. Yes, but now here's the other question I want to get your thoughts on because this makes it very interesting. What do the Bruins do when he's ready to come back? With the way that this team is playing, what do they do? Yeah, the Bruins have been playing great lately, but the the one person, or the, the two people that I think that Pashner could start in for would be Brett Connolly. Uh, he's been playing with Bergeron and Marchand, but he's I feel like he's never on the stat sheet. I feel like Bergeron and Marchand carry Connolly, so I feel like Pashner can be able to slide in, play with Bergeron and Marchand, or also I'd put him maybe alongside Spooner. And maybe have Jimmy Hayes sit down for a little bit. Jimmy Hayes has been struggling ever since he came to Boston. And I think Pashnik should be able to come in, play with Spooner, and go from there. That's a good short-term plan. What would you think long-term for the Bruins, especially going into the trade deadline? Because this this really gives this team options. Long-term, I, I would say, I would probably say Ship, Ship Connolly if you can. You have Ferraro playing, playing great on the right wing. You have Pashnik coming back, who who I think should be on this team no matter what. He should be in the lineup. Then you have Matt Bolesky and Louis Erickson, who, who kind of both play right wing, depending on like, depending on if they're on the same line or not. So I feel like you have enough right wings. now, And, I, and you have Jimmy Hayes signed for next year as well. I mean, if you can get, if you can maybe get something, something for him, I would say maybe Jimmy Hayes. But I'm looking at Brett Connolly. He's, he's up, his contract's up at the end of the year. He hasn't been, he hasn't worked out here in my opinion. I think it's time to get rid of Brett Connolly and move on. So here's my plan. You got Brett Connolly, whose contract is up. You got Louis Erickson, whose contract is up. And you have a second first-round pick. And the way the Sharks are playing, you're going to have an early first-round pick anyway. Take the three of them. Package them and get a defenseman. Yeah, the Bruins needed a top-four defenseman really bad. And I have uh, – I'm writing – actually, I'm writing an article on, on that for CLNS Radio, and it should be up – it should be up this week about the Bruins and – them needing a top four defenseman and who to get, and the the potential people the potential players that the Bruins could get, so I'm very excited to have that piece up. But they need a top four defenseman. Everyone's been you, everyone's been saying think, it. Who do you think has potential? 
that the Bruins could look at. I mean, I've I know I've put out the obvious of Dustin Bufflin, but that's an obvious one. Who are some of these players that I'm not thinking ever overlooking? Yeah, definitely Dustin Bufflin's uh, a player that obviously I think anyone would want, but sometimes he's a little knucklehead. Sometimes he's a knucklehead on the ice, but his contract's up at the end of the year. Obviously, he's the most obvious. And speaking of the San Jose Sharks, I'm looking at the Sharks and Mark Edward Vlasic. He played on Team Canada a few years back when the Canada won the. The gold in the Olympics, I think Mark Edward Vlasic is a very underrated defenseman for the San Jose Sharks. He's someone you could look at. Also, Alexander Edler from the Vancouver Canucks. The Bruins have been reportedly interested in him before, and I think with the Canucks not really playing that well this year, you can look at Alex Edler. And also, you got to look at maybe Colorado. Tyson Barry's contract's up at the end of the year. Great young defenseman if you could package something along the lines to get Tyson Barry. I think those are three defensemen you can look at. And... Obviously, more teams will be out of it as the trade deadline approaches. So as teams start fading down, you'll have more and more players that will be available. So I'm interested to see what happens here because the Bruins do need a defenseman and they need it bad. No, those are three really good players that you just said. Tyson Berry, Alex Edler, and Mark Edward Vlasic. You know, you can probably get a pretty good deal for those three players without underrated there because you don't hear much about them, especially out east. Exactly. So. I'm, I'm looking at Mark Edward Vlasic. I think he could be a wild card for the Bruins to pick up because, like you said, the Sharks, the Sharks are kind of sliding he, here. He just did a trade with the Sharks for Martin Jones, and, you know, the Bruins obviously won that trade with the way the Sharks are, Sharks are playing. So, you know what, why not toss them back Louis Erickson and their other first-round pick to get one of their players back. I'm sure the Sharks would do that. It's reasonable. Exactly, and I think that he's a he's a wild card because as we talked about on this show before, um, Patrick Marlowe might want to get out of there. There's just a lot of a lot of stuff going on in San Jose. They fired their coach last year. They fired their GM. They they they're trying to re retool the whole system. And I think Mark Vlasic would be a player that you can get for a reasonable price. Oh, absolutely. He would be a player you could get for a reasonable price, and I actually think it would be a good move for the Bruins. And I know we weren't saying this early in the year, but with the way that the Bruins are playing now, the way Montreal is struggling, and the fact that Rask got over that hump, do you think now you can say the Bruins are really serious contenders for the playoffs, if not the Stanley Cup? I'm holding my, I'm holding my judgment on the Bruins being a Stanley Cup favorite just for the sole fact I think they need a defenseman really badly. And if they get that defenseman, they're going to be cup contenders. Yes, if they can build that team with playing, they will be cup contenders. Exactly. That's, that, that's what my, my article is going to be just about that. The Bruins need a top four defenseman, a legit top four defenseman, to be considered a cup cup threat. In, For sure. I mean, you already you just saw Montreal get blown out by Dallas last night, and I'm going to go into this a little bit because of the fact I was looking at the standings. The Bruins have two games in hand against Montreal, in which case they can probably take over the first place spot by the end of the year. I know then, that's crazy. To, that's crazy to think about, especially of how bad the Bruins played early on this season. That they are right there in contention. And imagine if the Bruins didn't play so poorly overall in the beginning of the season. Imagine where they'd be right now. And that shows you how much the, you know Don Sweeney was correct in the fact that we had to grow this team. The team had to grow and develop and build chemistry, and you're seeing it on the ice. Almost every night, even in the games that they've lost, you're seeing it. Exactly, and that's it's great to see. Also, one more defenseman I think that the Bruins can maybe look into would be Jack Johnson of the Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm that's the player that wanted to come here that I would have gone for last year. He's a good player from Columbus. I actually like that. I'm going to agree with that 100%. Jack Johnson would be my go-to over 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 Blastic in a heartbeat. Uh, I'm not sure of his contract situation, situation, but I think he's a great player. He played with Los Angeles, then he got traded to Columbus. Columbus is obviously not playing well at all, and I want to get to some Brian Johansson a little bit later on, but Columbus is not playing well. Tortorella's tried to come in there and change them around, even though Columbus is dead last in the East. So dead last, tied for dead last in points. They're, ten, they're 11 points out of a playoff spot. Excuse me, they're 9 points out of a playoff spot, but I don't see Columbus turning it on and catching anyone above them because they are they're minus 21 with goal differential. They have Bobrovsky, their goalie, just got hurt. I think Columbus is a mess. He's a, Columbus is a mess. So if you can try and look at Jack Johnson, I think that would be great. I looked up. I'm looking at Jack Johnson's contract. He's getting paid seven years, thirty point five million. I haven't done the math yet, but that's about four or four and a half million a year. Reasonable price. You got Bobrovsky for that price, right? Yeah, that's not a bad price at all. And he's got three years left on the contract. I would take that in a heartbeat if you can get Jack Johnson out of there. 2018, 2019. 
I'm gonna look while we're talking throughout the show. I'm gonna look up Louis Erickson's contract and compare that, which is gonna make it much of a difference. But I still think that the Bruins can trade Louis Erickson and still be fine. You know, Louis Erickson's played great. Don't get me wrong, but for the contract and for the defenseman, I think that the offense can still hold up without without Louis Erickson, I, especially the way Bergeron and Krejci and the rest of the team plays. I think so too, and I figure look at it this way: you have Louis Erickson on the top line with Bolesky and. Krejci, but when Passionate comes back, just pretty much slide Passionate in, and then if you take Louis Erickson out, it's pretty much, I wouldn't say pretty much the same team, but... And, and you know, I wouldn't say it's the same team, but even, you know, you, you mentioned having Brett Connolly, Jimmy Hayes sit down, but even when Brett Connolly plays, you know, I've noticed in some of those games, he's got some really good shots, and he's still got that good shot. Yeah, he's not consistent. Um, and he is a player that you can sit and not really have to worry about, but they still have players that you can work into this lineup to make it work. And you got Vetrano and Ferraro that are playing stellar at the moment. Right, and uh, just, and I think that's interesting to see how the the Bruins trade develop, the trade deadline develops for the Bruins because they're in it, they're in it. And as you and I discussed earlier, we didn't think this would be, they would be this far ahead right now, but they're in it. They have, they're second in their division. And yeah, the second in the, in the and division. Let me just say, we hammered Rask to start the season. We absolutely hammered him. And you know what? He has played great too. He's not. He's, he's still not worth this contract, but he's played outstanding. Where he's making a fight for it. This is what we wanted to see out of him. Yeah, I think Tuukka Rask has been absolutely stellar lately. And obviously, I think playing against Montreal and shutting them down, I think it gave him all the confidence in the world. He looks so much better right now than he has at any point in the year this season. So if Tuukka Rask can continue to play like this. And who knows, maybe Tukaraz can be the one that carries the Bruins to the Stanley Cup. And if he does that, look, I will, as you and I have both said, we want Tukaraz to do that. We are rooting for Tukaraz. But at, right now, at this point, we're saying Tukaraz is not worth the money. But if Tukaraz can get the Bruins to the playoffs, steal games like he did against Montreal, and get the Bruins to the Cup, me and you will have a really whole... He doesn't have, he doesn't, he doesn't have to win the Cup. If he can get the Bruins to another Cup, if he can get the Bruins past Montreal in the playoffs, he'll use worth this contract. You know, getting the Cup's hard. But if he plays the way that he played the other night against Montreal, and he plays hard throughout the playoffs, and he earns it, you know what? I'll say it. I'll say I was wrong. Yeah, I mean, you're rooting for that. I, mean, I want that. Exactly. We want Tukaras to be like, to shut us all up, shut media guys up, like you and I. Telling Tukaraz that he's not worth his contract, but hey, th- th- if Tukaraz continues to play like this, I-, I don't see how we- how the Bruins won't have a, sh- a shot in the playoffs. No, we and we can, we we have a lot to get onto the show. We're already 15 minutes in. We've already got this discussion going, but um, you know, you look at the same thing with Claude Julien and how we were against Claude Julien and how so far we've been proven wrong about that too. So it just shows you that you know, as media, we don't know anything. We can guess it and we can, we get lucky sometimes. Exactly. I also think this year has been Claude Julien's best coaching year. We'll get to that next week. Cause I do want to talk touch on Claude Julien next week um, and discuss like how I think he's handled the team this year. So that will be a great topic for next week. So I'm glad you brought it. It'll be a great build-up for the Winter Classic. So we know we got the Winter Classic coming up in two weeks. We want to get a big show on that, too. Exactly. So I want to talk about Claude Julien later on down the road. But I think this is the best year of his coaching career. But uh, also, I want to... Other news. I want, yes, another news I want to talk about is um, Zach Ronaldo just went on injured reserve. And that's two, two, uh, two-thirds of the fourth line that started the year with Campion and Ronaldo, both on IR. And Ronaldo, as you and I said, I don't, I still don't know why he's on this team, but, but you know what, he's. I can't complain too much. I can't because, he's, he's he's shut me up. He's not being a punk out there. He brings energy sometimes and drops the gloves and fights someone. He's a he's a little pest out there. So I understand why the Bruins have him and brought him in, but I think with Ronaldo going on IR, it's not going to affect the Bruins at all. Like him and Campana being on IR, and I feel confident in the fourth line. To be able to be to play fine, especially with them recalling Max Talbot, and I think Max Talbot has been playing great these past few games, which is a true testament to the character and the guy <coughs> and the player that Max Talbot is, because he's been sent down to Providence three or four times this season. He's come right back up. He's worked hard. He's a leader, and I think Max Talbot deserves all the credit in the world for uh, playing well this week and stepping right in there for Ronaldo. And like I said, I keep track of the Providence Bruins and some of the highlights. And I saw Talbot score a couple of goals in Providence, and I said, you know, 
he's heating up a little bit. He's getting comfortable. He's getting comfortable in the Bruins system. And that goal he scored, I forgot the game. I remember he scored a goal this week. Pittsburgh. I believe it was Pittsburgh. It was a nice goal. You know what? It was just it's great to see Talbot playing like a professional. Exactly. And I think he brings you the energy on the fourth line. He plays well. He's a, <laughs> he's a smart player. He can play penalty kill. He can he can shut down the other players' top guys. So it just shows a true testament to how much of a professional Max Talbot is. And hopefully Ronaldo comes back soon because Claude Julian did say it was only a maintenance day for, for Zach Ronaldo. And then the next day the report came out saying he was on injured reserve with an upper body injury. And obviously the NHL does not never tells you the type of injury that players have. God forbid they do that. But hopefully he can get back soon. And we'll see how, how it goes from there. But I think Ronaldo and I think, are. Think about it this way. Think about it this way. If the NHL is really not telling you the injury, is it really a major injury? Or maybe are they putting you on IR for other roster moves and roster purposes? Yeah, that could be it too. I, I don't think it's going to be a long-term injury with Ronaldo. But ever since the Pashnik thing early on this year, I get a little cautious about injuries. Just because Pashnik's still not back. And they, they said he was day-to-day. So that's why. Well, you know, the Bruins have been very smart about that. And I, I commend the Bruins. From holding Pasternak out, not rushing him back, telling him to get healthy, because you know what, the Bruins team developed chemistry in any way, and they haven't struggled. They're, when Pasternak comes back, they're only going to get better. They're not going to get worse. Exactly, I agree with you right there. So you know, when all these players come back, they're only going to get better. The team's going to keep getting better. The NHL is in for a long season if the Bruins did find their identity like the way they're doing now. Yeah, I think so too. The Bruins are finding their stride here, but. I want to uh, go a little bit off topic from the Bruins here in our first segment. I know usually we just do Bruins news and what's going on with the Bruins players, but I want to touch on P.K. Subban for a little bit. P.K. Subban was on the Felger and Maserati program on 98.5, the sports hub, and I just so happened to be able to tune in at the exact right time that P.K. Subban was on the show. And people in Boston hate P.K. Subban on the ice. Every time he touches the puck at the Boston Garden, he's getting booed. But you know what? P.K. Subban is a great person, and I couldn't believe how honest and how respectful he was on the phone. And he talked about Marshan and how him and Marshan battled, but he said Marshan's a great player. He never said anything about anyone poorly, and I just think P.K. Subban is a great guy, a great character guy. And him being on the program with Felger Mass, he got disconnected where he his phone, his phone crapped the bed. He called him right back. And he was joking around. He was laughing, having a good time. I think P.K. Subban is one of the best character guys in the NHL. You know what? I'm going to be completely honest, too. I've seen this throughout the NHL as well. I've seen it in interviews with P.K. Subban. And to hear the, I, I missed the interview. But to hear this and to hear the way that he called back, you know what? I don't like Subban on the ice. I hit the guy on the ice. Off the ice, I'm not going to argue a bad thing about him. Great player, class guy, perfect for the NHL off the ice, for sure. On the ice, while he plays like a typical Canadian's player. Name a Canadian's player that doesn't dive. That's the game I'll play. He's a typical Canadian and player. And who, who's going to hate him for being a typical Canadian player? We hate the Canadians, so be it. Exactly. But I respect him a lot as a person. Exactly. And uh, while he was on Felger Mass, he talked about how he has donated $10 million to charity in Montreal. And that is just absolutely spectacular. $10 million. And Thugger Maz asked him why ten million. Like they were saying, they don't want to mean to be like draft. They don't mean to say don't give ten million to charity. But they're like, why ten million? And PK Subban's response was, why not? And that just shows the this guy gets it. He has a smart. He's he has a brain in his head. He's smart. He knows what he, he gets it. Ten million dollars to charity is just absolutely unbelievable. You know what? The, you know, and, and we're going to discuss the sort of differences between on the ice and off the ice. But you don't see PK Subban sparing other players or doing or making those intentional dirty plays. Yeah, he plays a little dirty too. I give him that. But he's not like the uh, Brandon Press of the NHL or the old school Steve Bott from '09. He doesn't play that way. He's a he's just a typical Canadian. There's no word to describe how PK Subban plays other than the fact that he's a typical Canadian player. Yeah, absolutely. But I just think that shows. I just wanted to touch on that quickly because P.K. Subban was $10 million to charity. is absolutely incredible to me. That's incredible, and that shows a lot about his character. Exactly, so I just wanted to touch on that quickly. So uh, let's get into the game breakdowns here, Jason. But before we do that, I want to give a quick shout-out to our friends over at Grandstand. 
And it's a new sports app, sports highlights straight from the crowd. Share your own sports highlights and watch videos straight from the crowd, all from the fans' perspective. Download Grandstand on the App Store or at grandstand.me. So just give uh, if you don't if you haven't had the chance to look at this app, please everyone get a chance to download it and check it out. But Jason, I want to talk to you about how you had a perfect week in predictions, and I'm pretty upset by it because I think the Bruins Oilers game was the start of the week, and I was pretty upset after this game. But congratulations, Jason, you were uh, on fire with your picks this week. So give you a little pat on the back there. Yeah. I'm going to say, and I'm going to be completely honest with this, I got lucky. Um, because I said it straightforward. I said, you know, the Bruins are going to go on a winning streak, but they got to lose a game in there somewhere. They weren't going to lose against Florida because they had just lost the game before, I think, if I remember correctly. I don't, I don't remember, to be completely honest, it was last week. Um, but Edmonton's had the number for a bit, so I predicted the Edmonton game. Ironically, that was a game that I chose not to watch most of. I ended up going to the movies at night, so... You know, I got home, they were down 2-1 to one third period, I turned on the TV and the Bruins tied the game and scored, and I said to myself, oh god, I hope I'm wrong. I ended up being right. Oh well, the Bruins still played a good game. The Bruins played, the Bruins played great, and the first, uh, Ch- I think Char was showing a little bit of his age here when he went down in the corner and Everly picked up the puck, gave it right to Newton Hopkins out front for a goal to put them ahead 2 to nothing. Uh, Gustafson didn't get over in time off after a shot off the board that Everly got. So I think the, the the Edmonton goals weren't anything the Bruins the Bruins did really wrong. And the Bruins dominated play throughout. They had forty seven shots on Cam Talbot. Cam Talbot for the Edmonton goalie played incredible. The game of his life. I've never seen anything like it. The Bruins were peppering him with shots, peppering him with shots. Bolesky finally broke through after uh, squeaking it through I saw that goal. What an incredible goal. Squeaking it through Talbot's legs. And it's good to see Matt Bolesky get rewarded there because he's been playing. I think he's been playing phenomenal this season, but his numbers have not done him justice. And it's good to see him get back on the score sheet. Pop a goal in there because, you know what, he needs it. He needs, his, he needs a confidence booster with with a goal in because I think he's been playing great. No, you know what, Bolesky's been the best Bruin, the best Bruin who wasn't – a Bruin last year on the ice for sure. There's not even a question about that. Exactly. So I'm, I'm glad to see him get rewarded there with that goal. And the Bruins cut it to two to one in the second period. And the Bruins just kept dominating. And they had they controlled the play. Edmonton didn't seem to have an answer. And then Brad Marchand. We talked about him last week. This this Brad Marchand is is a whole new person. It's like he transformed into like Patrick Kane or something. I have no idea what's going on with Brad Marchand. But in that Edmonton game. That shot was an absolute laser beam. And it went right under the bar over Cam Talbot's shoulder to tie the game at two. And holy smokes, Marshan, that shot was insane. No, you know what? And that's the, that's the um, goal that I saw. That one goal for the Bruins that I saw. I turned on my TV two seconds later, later, later they scored. I was just amazed you know, at how good of a shot that was. And, you know. Brad Marshall is staying out of trouble. He's staying out of the penalty box. He's showing that leadership. And then, you know what? He's young enough where it's affecting the young guys as well. Exactly. You He's becoming a leader. And you never thought you would say that Brad Marshall would be a, <coughs> be a leader. So good for Brad Marshall on turning his game around, playing this well this season. Him and Bergeron playing, obviously, one of the best two best two players that play together in the league. So good to see that Marshall doing that. But I, I do want to criticize Claude Julien a little bit here. Spooner and Ferraro played were playing great this game. They they were all over the ice, but in three on three overtime, you I don't think you can start Ferraro and Spooner not together. If you're gonna put Spooner and, and Ferraro out there, put them with Bergeron or put them with Krejci, put them with Bolesky, put them with Erickson, put them with the smarter vet player because they're young. They're still young players, and they didn't deserve. And Edmonton has a ton of skill, as we all know. Taylor Hall. Nugent Hopkins, Everly. They have a lot of skilled players, and so putting Ferraro and Spooner out there was not the right call, in my opinion. And it was the first shift. Sakara shoots the puck on net, follows up his rebound as Ferraro is puck watching, and then beats Gustafson. And the Bruins did get a point and went into overtime, but I think, Claude, I think Claude Julian could have done a better job in that situation there. I disagree. I actually liked it. 
I like the young guys in there, like Claude's confidence in the young guys, give them that chance. You know what? I think it was a good move for Claude Julian to give those young guys that chance. Let them learn, let them lose that way, but at least they'll get that off their back for the future. Because what happens if Bergeron and Krejci aren't there? What if we don't have Chara? These guys are going to have to learn somehow. I think it was a smart move, and I think, you know what? A loss in overtime and three on three is like a loss in a shootout. It's not too big of a deal. Yeah, that's a good point there, and I understand where you're coming from because usually I'm the first person to hammer Claude Julien for not playing his young players, but I just think at this time it wasn't it wasn't right. I don't think Ferraro and Spooner together was that was great, but you know what? That's okay. Like you said, I it was good to have them learn. Let's uh, let them get their feet wet, you know. You know, that that shot, I can't, and this is the way people are going to say, they're going to look at me like, oh, Jason, so you still have any Jonas Gustafsson. How do you blame Jonas Gustafsson for that goal? Bounced off the player and stayed in front and he was screened. And how do you even blame Gustafsson for that game? He still played a good game. Yeah, I agree. And I'm on fire. Tuka Rask is the definite starter. Can't argue that one, but we have a good backup. And, we, and this reminds me of the uh, Chad Johnson days when we had Chad Johnson backing up. Two years ago. Yeah, and I, I agree. I think Gustafson has played fine. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ranking on or ragging on Gustafson right now. I think he's been playing fine. He's given Tukarask some much needed time off when he, when he obviously early on in the season. And by the way, I think that even though the game hasn't started today yet, the game tonight, I think you'll see Gustafson in that tonight. Yeah, actually, that's interesting that you bring that up. Obviously, uh, New, Jer- New Jersey is who the Bruins will play, and we'll get into that breakdown a little bit later on, but. Like you said, Gustafson has been playing fine, and I agree. But obviously, like you said, Tukarask is the main guy. But it's good to have Tukarask does not have to play 75 games this season because Gustafson can come in and shut the door when need be. Like, what I would do at this point with the way Gustafson is playing, and I would tell Tukarask this specifically, have have Tukar really play the big games and then let him sit. You know, get him ready for the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, the Bruins did dominate Edmonton. <laughs> they, I think they should have gotten two points, but... They lost it overtime, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna yell at them too much because they got a point. They dominated the game. Cam Talbot played the game of his life, and sometimes that happens. You run into a goaltender where he just stands on his head and nothing seems to be going in. So I'm not gonna fault him for that. No, you can't. You know, you get the hot goaltenders all the time. You get the hot goal, you get the hot goal, it is what it is. You can't fight that. Exactly, you can't fight that at However. all. However, as we keep the thing going, you go to Pittsburgh and you have a team that just outright sucks. Pittsburgh's a joke. Oh my and god. I'm gonna say this straightforward. I'm gonna say this straightforward. Whether it's Zakoff or Flurry, Pittsburgh sucks. The offense sucks, the defense sucks, that team sucks. Flurry would have kept them in the game, don't get me wrong, but that team is awful. You cannot believe how horrendous that team is until you watch them play. And that is why when I made that prediction last week that Boston would both games handily I did say that. It was easy to figure out why. I mean, Pittsburgh has their their forwards their <coughs> forward skill is unbelievable. And yes, I get their defense are a little weak. They don't have Latang. They obviously lost Orbeck and Niskanen last year. Oli Mata has been in and out of the lineup, but Pittsburgh's embarrassing. What an embarrassment of talent Pittsburgh has. And I I started coming around on this when the Bruins swept them in the playoffs, and I started thinking, you know what? Pittsburgh's a joke. And they'll, they'll just never get it. They don't have any. They don't have any fight. No fight. No desire. Nothing. Crosby. Crosby's like barely noticeable out there. Malkin's been their best forward all year, but then he's playing with, oh, by far. And he's by far. And he's playing Malkin. With, Malkin, you know, as and we'll get into this in the second game specifically. But Patrick Hornquist, as much as he's a little pest out there, which reminds me of Brad Marchand. Patrick Hornquist has been great out there. We'll get into that after. Yeah, absolutely, and and just. Phil Kessel, what an embarrassment he is! Did, he, did you even notice Phil Kessel in the games the Bruins played against Pittsburgh? Because I only noticed I only noticed two players in that Pittsburgh game from Pittsburgh, and that was Patrick Hornquist and Evgeny Malkin. Exactly, that's my point. You don't even notice Crosby. You don't even notice Phil Kessel. These are two of the better players on Pittsburgh. It's just absolutely embarrassing. They're they're a joke. They need to they need to fix something over there. I don't know what they're gonna do. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't know what they're gonna do over there, but they need to they need to figure out something. I think they need to shake things up. I think they should trade Crosby, to be honest. Oh, Crosby's got Crosby needs a change of environment. They should trade Crosby and Kessel and give Malkin a team of his own. Yeah, Mal- I think Malkin's been 
the best player on Pittsburgh. He's been. I think Malkin. I think Malkin can lead this team better than Crosby can right now. I think so too, and I think Crosby kind of holds him up. I think he can get Crosby on a pretty good deal because I don't think Crosby's that good anymore. I think. Not... I think Crosby holds down Malkin to be honest. If Mal- Malkin's not the number one center there, he's not the number one guy. So when Crosby's there, Malkin's kind of in the background. But I think if you gave if you gave the keys to Malkin, I think he'd be able to lead them, like you said. To better places also, than let me say this we'll get into the second game. There was another Penguin player who started his first game of the year. I think it was in the game against Boston. His first game is Connor Sherry. Did you notice him? Yes, Connor Sherry is from Melrose, Massachusetts. Went to Cushing Academy. Um, and I, he, he's always been a really, really fast player. He can skate like the wind. And it's good to – I mean, I'm going to give him credit because, you know what, it, it's not it, – there's nothing better than – Scoring your first NHL goal against the team you grew up watching. No, and no, you know what? And this is why, and I'm glad we're kind of avoiding this, going over an, an exact recap of each game, because you know what? Both games of Penguins sucked equally. So, really, for those who watch the games, we can just go over the Bruins players who scored the goals. But, man, just there were three players for Pittsburgh this week who I noticed, and that was Hornquist, that was Connor Sherry, and it was Evgeny Malkin. Other than that, that Penguins team was awful. And it's so it's it's like crazy to see because you had people predicting that Penguins would go to the Stanley Cup when they made that Kessel trade. And you know, I said from the beginning, I said, you know what? I'm not, when they got Kessel, I said, I'm not impressed because I know how Crosby is and I know how Pittsburgh is. They have no defense. Marc-Andre Fleury will crap himself when the playoffs come around. And Crosby's not. I don't think Crosby's a good leader. I don't. He's always complaining about something. He's not playing well this season. There was reports that he had a phone out with Mario Lemieux. There's something going on with Crosby in Pittsburgh that he need. I just I, he I stayed very quiet. I stayed very quiet about this when the Penguins got Kessel, but I didn't have that much faith in Pittsburgh when they got Kessel. I kind of said to myself, you know what? They got Kessel. Big whoop. What, what has Kessel done for any of these, any of these other NHL teams? Maple Leafs got Kessel. What happened? Nothing. They were the worst team in the league. Go far. And it's just, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think Kessel's a. A franchise player, you can't lead obviously as we found out with Toronto because Phil Kessel was the main guy in Toronto and Toronto sucked. They were either in last place or they made the playoffs the one year and the Bruins ended up embarrassing them on that great comeback victory. So that that's Phil Kessel's tenure with the Maple Leafs. Embarrassing. And then he goes to Pittsburgh and you know what I said from the beginning, I said James Neal's better than Phil Kessel. Yeah. You want to go through some numbers right now? I'm, I'm looking at the standings right now for the uh, East. Yeah, go right ahead. Shoot. Right. Maple Leafs have played 31 games. They have 29 points. Pittsburgh's played 32 with 33 points. So how close are each of these teams to last place at the moment? Or close to each other, even with Phil Kessel and Pittsburgh? Yeah. What does that say? That's a good That's a good point there because I think Kessel's a cancer, to be honest. And I get it. I, and I don't mean to – and I don't mean to – I shouldn't use that word because I know people have actual cancer and I hope everyone can recover from their cancer. But he's a bad guy. He's a bad locker room guy. He's not a, he's not a good player. He's not a good guy to have in your locker room. He causes and these trouble. guys aren't far and these guys aren't far away. They're four points away from being in last place. Like you're talking about three you're, you're talking about three or four teams in the NHL with twenty nine points that are sitting in last place right now. Yeah, I just think that they're embarrassing. They need to figure something out down there. I don't know what the hell they need to do, but I just don't trust them at all. No, it's I don't I don't trust any of them, and I think that Pittsburgh's not going to make the playoffs. I'm calling that now. I don't think they will either, because the way even even with the way they're playing now, even if Crosby turns it on a little bit, their defense still sucks. Their goalie still sucks. Their other lines still suck. And they fired their coach. <laughs> exactly. So obviously something's going on there when they fired their coach. They have a new coach right now. And Mike Sullivan, a former Bruins coach, I believe. They just lost last night to Carolina. Carolina. Two to one. Carolina. Not that bad actually. I'll, I'll argue a good couple of good points against Carolina later when the Bruins actually face them. But Carolina's got a good young team growing there. They do, but they're they're in They're young. They're in fourteenth place in the in in the Eastern Conference. Carolina's a team that you should be with the Pittsburgh's talent. They should have been able to to walk over Carolina with their talent. But the difference is, and I'm going to argue this because it's the East. You no, know, all these teams are bunched together. Like Carolina's like one team within like six or seven points from being in the wild card. 
Yeah, the East is pretty jam-packed right now. It's a little top-heavy with with uh, Montreal and Washington, but Montreal has been well, Montreal's we'll been sliding the, a little bit. We'll get the top-heavy with just Washington because right now Washington's the best team in the league the way that they're playing, and I really like Washington. Washington scares me. I do not want to play Washington. Actually, wait a minute. Let me rephrase that. I do want to play Washington in the playoffs because the team struggles in the playoffs. But this team looks like a different team. I I want no part of Washington Capitals, but we'll we'll get to that in a little bit. I want I want to just finish up the the Penguins here, and and why don't why, why don't we give the Bruins some credit here? Because you know there were some big plays for the Bruins. I know we've been avoiding that topic for a bit. I know because we I I just love crapping on the Penguins. When you oh, when you when you get when you get an opportunity to to rash on the Penguins, you just have to go with it because they're just so easy to make fun of. But um, let's let's get these two games together. We'll just go through the goal scorers of the Bruins, and we'll start with the first game. We had Max Talbot score a sweet goal against Zach Kopp. Yes, that, first that was a very good, very nice goal, very nice shot by Max Talbot. And this is what I'm saying: you, Ronaldo goes out, you call up Talbot, scores a goal, plays well. The Bruins have the depth this year that they didn't have last year. And then you had Jimmy Hayes get a couple points in that game too. Jimmy Hayes scored a really nice goal, but I thought that that tipped off of Spooner. Yeah, that's, that's, oh, that's, it might have been. It might. It might have been Spooner shooting it tipped off of Hayes. I'd have to check the replay later. It was, but Spooner, like, it was you, Spooner off of Hayes, and yes, yeah. you know what? Hayes has been struggling as the, as me and you talked about on the show. He's been struggling to find his way in Boston so far, and that's the type of play you need from Jimmy Hayes. Go high to the net, get a greasy goal. That's his type of game he wants to play. So good to see him get rewarded there. And then you have the second game because the Bruins won three nothing that game. You know the Ryan Spooner goal was an empty net goal, a good way to finish it. And I'm just gonna say the word Frank Petrano. That's all. He, I have, you know, the the Jack Edwards said it. The Bruins broke the wills of Pittsburgh that game. They really did, and and really credit to Frank Petrano for <coughs> for getting his first career hat trick. And we talked about it before. The kid can shoot the puck, and he made some great plays out there. So I'm happy that he got rewarded. Ryan Spooner seems to be turning a corner here and playing really well ever since him and. Petrano have been put together. I think they've, they've been gelling. So props to both of them for stepping up their game, playing well, because you can't rely on Bergeron and Krejci every night, even though Bergeron and Marshawn seem to be in on the score sheet almost every time they play the game. And the biggest thing is you don't hear anybody questioning where Ryan Spooner's spot is in the lineup. He's earned it. Exactly, and that's great to see because I think Spoon, the, the Bruins needed a third-line center this year because obviously with Kyle Soderberg leaving, Chris Kelly going down early in the year. Ryan Spooner has really elevated his, his game, and that's great you, to see. Wait, wait a minute. Let's keep going here. You just said, you just said the name that I totally forgot about. With Chris Kelly going down. Who, who, everybody's saying, who's Chris Kelly? I think what is so. that thing? I think so, What's too. And I, used, I, used right to, now. I used to say that all the time. Is like Chris Kelly is not that good, and he's not that important to the Bruins. And you're seeing it this year. Everyone was like, oh, Chris Kelly went down. They're penalty, he's a good penalty kill guy. He's a good locker room guy. The Bruins have enough. He he he's done. He's gone. He's not coming back after this year. The Bruins have enough locker room guys with Chara, with Bergeron, with Marshan, with Krejci, and Bolesky, I think, who's a, a new guy, but coming in, I feel like he's a good locker room guy. Adam McQuaid. They don't need Chris Kelly in the locker room. Get give me don't spare me that crap about Chris Kelly. You know what? I'm 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 sorry that he got hurt, and I I hope he recovers. I don't care. I'm okay with him being gone. I don't care. Yeah, I don't care that he's going to be gone. I don't care at all. I, I mean, it's not going to phase me one bit. I mean, no, because the way that this team is playing, these players have earned their spots in the lineup. It's going to be hard enough seeing players get traded at the trade deadline if that if that happens. Yeah, I agree. So, not, not too worried about that there. And Ryan Spooner had a. Had a four-point game that six-two game as well. I mean, like I said Spooner's been playing really well. Spooner and Vachano both set up their game because obviously Krejci started the year really well, started the year hot. But since that happened, the other teams are trying to obviously focusing on Krejci. So Krejci needs a little bit of a break. I shouldn't say a break, but Krejci can't carry the t- offensive game every night. So someone else needed to step up, and Spooner has been stepping up greatly. And that shows you the real, you know, the real line depth that the Bruins have and that Claude Julien has with this line. And it's, it really, it is great to watch. And it was really, a really entertaining week, a really entertaining week to watch, you know. I'm really excited about the, what the future for this Bruins hold, team holds. Absolutely. It, like, 
And just to hammer Pittsburgh one last time. Right. Hey, the Bruins making the playoffs and getting, you know, we, we discussed this, I think it was our very first episode. I said, I'd be happy if the Bruins made the playoffs. No, you're right. You were right about that episode. The Bruins need to make the playoffs, win a couple rounds, and then lose. They lose in, like, the conference finals or the, the round before that. I'm okay with that. But this team's played hard. Absolutely. And I think that one last thing on Pittsburgh, you get embarrassed by the Bruins in back-to-back games. One on the road, one at home ice. You lose 6-2 Friday night to the Bruins. 6-2. You would think Saturday night against Carolina they would show up and maybe play better. But nope, they lose again. So, good luck, Pittsburgh. No, bro, you're right. Good luck, Pittsburgh. Have fun doing that. So, um, Bruins, obviously, as, as we talked about, is you had a perfect week. And we'll get into the, the two game, the two other games next week. But I'm going to predict the, I'm gonna predict it right this week. And I'm going to get back at you for predicting this week right <laughs> Remember, you're talking two games this week. You're going to have easy this week. I know. But uh, I want to transition here in, to uh, around the NHL segment. And I saw that, and we, I saw this fascinating story on Twitter about Patrick O'Sullivan, a former NHL player. And his story is unbelievable. If you have a chance to look to read it, please do if you haven't read it yet. Patrick O'Sullivan's story. And it was how he has – how he grew up with a dad who was abusive. And if he didn't play a good game or didn't have a good shift or didn't score a goal, his dad would beat him and hit him. And he would have him working out all day, skating all day. And this was child abuse. And if you're if you're a parent and you want your kid to play hockey, read this story because please do not become one of these parents. Let the kid enjoy the game. Have fun. Do not be like that and be a parent. If the kid can make the NHL, the kid will make the NHL. And he said that even in his article. He said... My dad thought he was the reason I made the NHL, but it wasn't. When, when he and he said whenever he went to his, whenever he was with his dad on the weekends, he would go outside and shoot about, and stick handle and shoot about a thousand pucks because he didn't want to be near his father. That's how bad it was. So Patrick O'Sullivan worked on the game by himself and his alone time, and that's how he made the NHL. Not because his father was abusing him. And I just think this is fascinating because parents. Are get, becoming too too involved, in my opinion, and they need to take a they need to take a back seat. Read this story, and I get it. Not every parent's this abusive, but just parents, please read the story. Have your kid play hockey and enjoy the game, and do not have him go to the abuse like this because he had he had enough. When he finally snapped back on his father, he got his father arrested. He had, he literally fist fought his father, and. Me, personally, I could have never imagined fist-fighting my father. So, the story is just, inc- just stunning to me. And I had to send it to you because I couldn't believe And I wanted to talk about this because this is a major issue in our society today is child abuse and parents going too far and getting too involved with sports. So, please, parents, let your kids have fun. If he's, if he's that good, he'll make it. Do not worry about it. No, you know what? That was an incredible story. It took me, actually, I, I read it this morning when I woke up. And what got me interested in reading it, I almost forgot about it, was the fact that I turned on my NHL Game Center app. And I said, and I saw this article that said, look back at the 2004 World Junior Classic Final between U.S. and Canada. And I read through it, and I saw Patrick O'Sullivan's name scattered all over it. And I think that's why my article must have come out. And... You know, he played a big role in the U.S. beating Canada in that game. He helped score that game-winning goal. And it shows that, you know, he, he I can't even imagine what he was going through while he was playing in the World Juniors to get to that point. And it takes a lot of guts to do what he did to stand up for himself when he knew nobody else would. And the article that he wrote, it's absolutely incredible to see the fact that he's trying to help to push other parents to see what's right for their kids. Ab- and absolutely. it shows that when he becomes a parent, or if he is, I don't know if he has kids, and I haven't looked into his background story just yet, but it shows that as a parent, if he becomes one, he's going to really push for the betterment of the kids. Absolutely. And Alexander Burrows, Vancouver Canuck player, who the Bruins fans should know quite, should know him, should know him quite well, obviously is his true color show when he comments on... Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt you for a second and let you go back to your story. O'Sullivan scored the game winner in that game, the uh, World Junior Classic. That's why that article probably came out. Awesome, and I'll, I'll, I'll get into that in just a second because I just pulled it up myself. But 
Alexander Burroughs, true colors come to come to light here and and saying that he wanted to beat Patrick O'Sullivan like his father did. And Alexander Burroughs is an absolute punk. He bit Bergeron's finger in the Stanley Cup Finals. He's a little. I can't stand players like Alexander Burroughs. He. I don't. I think he's just like Steve Ott, just like Sean Avery. Even though Burroughs has skill, he's an absolute punk on the ice. Absolute punk. No, and you know what? He 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 is. He's there's not a question about that. Burroughs is a punk, and I don't like him. And I hope that the next time the Bruins play him, Marshawn hammers him. I hope, maybe even bites him. I, I, I want someone. Nice. I wish someone would take him out, and it's just it's just embarrassing that he has to shrink the level of that and and comment on the fact that his father abused him. But it's interesting you brought up that 2004 World Junior because I want to get into that. Uh, these teams were these teams were loaded, and it's it's crazy to me that how loaded Team Canada was. I have the list right in front of me here. On team Can- notable players on Team Canada was Sidney Crosby, Brent Burns, Jeff Carter, Braden Colburn, Mark Andre Fleury, Ryan Getzlaff, Josh Georges, Kevin Klein, Dion Phaneuf, Mike Richards, Brent Seabrook, Max Talbot. <coughs> Holy smokes, they were loaded. And oh, no, Canada was loaded, and we had like what Montoya for our goaltender. Al Montoya was the goaltender. You're correct on that. We had Mark. Yeah. We had Mark Stewart on D. Patrick Eves, Zach Parise, Ryan Kessler, um, as you said earlier, Patrick O'Sullivan, and Drew Stafford was playing. So the USA was not too too bad themselves. But this game was just really interesting. To, if you have a chance to go go to NHL.com, look it up. It was pretty interesting to read that article. Yeah, no, I'm actually I'm trying to find the link for it at the moment so I can put it on Facebook so that I, I can get the people on our uh, podcast page to read it. But it was it was an incredible story to read from that game, and okay, I found it. And you know, just to make you think about what O'Sullivan had to go through to get to that game winner, and yeah, I agree. And O'Sullivan, I I, I feel I feel for O'Sullivan because. No, no one should have that happen to them with their with their father abusing them. So. No, no, it's it's you know, like I said, it's, it's just incredible, and it really is. It's an incredible story. Yeah, it is. So if you have a chance to check that out, please do. Alexander Burroughs, of course, being a punk about it. So Wayne Simmons called him out. So maybe Wayne Simmons can can give him a beating. No, for sure, and uh, for sure, and um, also. We also want to get into other news, too, for the NHL. And the big news this week was Patrick Kane's point streak ending. I know. I was I was pretty upset by this. As me and you talked about last week, he wanted to continue for a little while. And it's unfortunate it did not continue. But the most staggering stat was it showed when Patrick Kane was playing Colorado was the two games previous prior to that, he has not gotten a point against Colorado. So I said, okay, he's not, he's not going to get a point now because they're just – they're jinxing him. They're already calling him out, and he's not, it's not going to happen. But he didn't get a point, but that 26 straight games was absolutely incredible to watch. Patrick Kane's in a world of his own, and he's right back to scoring, though, because it didn't take him long the next game to score a goal or get on the score sheet. So, I mean, it's incredible. Wayne, Wayne Gretzky played in a different time. Can't really argue that too much. Um, you know, he wasn't supposed to beat that streak. He wasn't going to. It's nearly impossible to beat that streak. I don't think any NHL player in our time is going to beat that streak. I don't think so either. I think 26 straight games is pretty incredible. I, th- I think his 26-game streak lasts about 10 or 12, 10 or 15 years. I think so too, and I and I don't I don't see anyone really competing competing with that. The NHL, like you said, that it's it's different now. They have bigger goalies. They have more defensive systems. So for Patrick Kane to get a point in 26 straight games, to me, is mind-boggling because it just shows how good of a player he is. No, and, you know, he is. He's incredible. And for somebody who was coming out of those rape allegations, it's just it's incredible to see the way he's played this year. Did you see the shootout goal last night in Buffalo? No, I missed it. It's just, I mean, it wasn't anything, like, fancy or crazy, but just the way Patrick Kane stick handles and, like, and beats the goalie on the show on the shootout. It's just oh wait that goal yes I did see that it's just it's deep yeah and it's just like how does Patrick Kane have <laughs> have the poison skill to do that 
and be confident in doing that and, and make it look so effortless. No, and he does. He does it, he does it without blinking an eye. And that's what makes him so incredible. Not many people can shoot can shoot shootouts like that. And that's why you don't ever want to go against the Chicago Blackhawks in a shootout because Patrick Kane will beat Tuka Rask every time. Exactly. And, and Jonathan Tate is not too shabby on shootouts himself. But Patrick Kane is on a different planet when it comes to them. Oh, it's, 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 it's incredible. And on another note, while we're getting into this NHL news, Montreal has been struggling lately. Yes, they have been. They have been reeling. The Bruins beat them the other night and then last week, and they played last night against the Dallas Stars, who I believe is one of the best teams in the NHL. And I get it that you're playing one of the best teams in the NHL in the Dallas Stars, but they got absolutely worked last night. Worked. 6-2 loss to Dallas Stars. The Bruins, as we said, they're only three points back. Two games in hand. Three games in hand. Yes, three games in hand. After, t- t- well, t- after tonight, it'll be two. Yes, after tonight, oh. it'll be two. But that's incredible. I'm, I, like I said, I've been, I was right this week, so I'm going to continue that right streak, and I'm saying that the Bruins will be in first place by the Winter Classic. Montreal will be the underdogs. I'm just saying that now. Because I'm crazy enough to predict it. You, wait, sorry, can you repeat that? I, I, I missed that. I'm saying the Bruins will be in first place by the Winter Classic. Montreal will be the underdog for that game. Wow, huh? Look at you. Calling yep. some shots there. But yeah, I'm I, calling I, now. I, I don't... In, I wanted to get into this and I wanted to get your opinion on this. I think Montreal is now showing that Montreal relies too much on Carey Price. No, they don't. I'm going to go Brendan Gallagher on this one. Brendan Gallagher, really? You think he makes that much of a difference? I think that way that the offense is playing right now for this team, um, Mike Condon's a great goal, a pretty decent goaltender. Yeah, he struggled against Dallas. Boston struggled against Dallas with Raskin Nett. So I'm not going to argue too much on that point. But I think it's Gallagher that Montreal is really missing. I think they miss, Carey, I think they miss Gallagher, too. They do, they, do, they do miss Carey Price. I'm not going to argue that. That's a straight point. Who do they miss more? I am not going to argue. They miss both of them. But... They they miss both of them. If Carey Price came back, the the offense would probably still struggle a bit, but they'd probably not be giving up as many goals. I agree, that's and I, I think that's the problem is they give up they giving up too many goals, and they I don't think their goaltending play has been great to be honest. I think Conan's playing great early on, but I think as the season has gone on, that he's been getting exposed more. And I think with Carey Price out, it's really hurting Montreal. He was an MVP of the league last year. He won the Vezina Trophy last year. I think Carey Price is the best goaltender in the NHL. And I think they, the Montreal relies too much on him. They don't have the skill or the firepower to to right the ship without him. And it just makes me think think back to last year when the New York Rangers lost Lundqvist for a, a long stretch of time. And they had Cam Talbot in that, and the Rangers just kept winning. So I think that Montreal does rely on Carey Price too much. They do, but they also, that that's the point I agree with. But I also think that they, they need Brendan Gallagher back as well. I'm not going to say who they need more. I think they need Carey Price more. I can actually say I agree with that to a certain extent. That they need Price more. But it doesn't change the fact that I don't think that they're that good without Brendan Gallagher. I agree. So, um, Brendan Gallagher, they do miss. And he's a he's one of those energy players that just brings it every night. And, and I'm going to say this. And I remember that, that last game, Montreal dominated Boston. Their offense peppered a lot of shots on Rask. Yeah, exactly. But I think it'll be a different story at Jeff Stadium. I think so too, but I just think that Montreal does rely a little bit too much on Carey Price though. You you think Gallagher, I think Price, but hey, they they need them both to be honest. I mean They need them both. Yeah, they to be they do. Contenders, but uh also I wanted to get to the Columbus Blue Jackets quickly. I know we talked we touched on Jack Johnson maybe being a trade option for the Boston Bruins because the Columbus Blue Jackets are playing terrible. They brought in coach John Tortorella, and we had fun with that when John Tortorella was hired, but their best player, well, he was their best player, was Ryan Johansson. When Columbus made the playoffs a couple years back, against, they played Pittsburgh, and Johansson was playing phenomenal. He was an up-and-coming young player. Everyone was saying he's going to be the next stud of the NHL, but he's not doing well, and I don't know why. He's been, he was scratched the other day, and Ever since that year when the Columbus made the playoffs, Johansson just hasn't brought it anymore. And I don't know what happened there. Because I think he was a really talented player, and it's just 
I'm struggling to find out why he's not doing well there. I think maybe he needs to change his, change his scenery as well as Crosby. I think it's the system. I also think that, you know, you've seen his name come up two straight years now for trades. Trade, trade is all you hear people talking about. I think that he kind of had had the, when he, when he first tried to buy a trade, in my mindset as a player, I would probably think, okay, I'd rather stay on my team. I'm sure he's probably warmed up to the idea of wanting a new challenge and start over. And I'm sure he's at this point thinking to himself, good, trade me and I'll play harder somewhere else. Yeah, I think, my, I think he's on his My team sucks. We're in last place. I want to go somewhere where I have a chance at winning a cup. Yeah, I think he needs a change of, scene, change, change of scenery there. Uh, I don't I don't think him and Tortorella are, are a match. It's like you said, the new system with Tortorella is probably not doing him doing him well. I think you, and the Columbus should be able to get a decent haul for Ryan Johansson, even though he's struggling and he's not doing that well. I think you can be able to still get a, like a first round pick, a couple couple prospects for Johansson. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I like I said for Johansson, I would trade Louis Erickson in a couple, in a first round pick for him. Yeah, I would do. I just don't know if Columbus would do that. I don't know if Columbus would do that, but I would look into Ryan Johansson. I think he's a great young player, but I, something's going something's gone wrong in Columbus, and he could be he could be available. I think he is available, and I think someone's going to get him. I think, don't be shocked if you see Montreal make a fight for him too. Oh, don't please God, don't not say that. You've been I know you've been saying that about every 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 person we talk about. You're saying Montreal, and you you give me heart attacks over because, here because it's Montreal. Montreal wants to win just just as bad. To me, Montreal's like the Yankees. You're giving me heart attacks over here every time you bring up Montreal. And that's I'm, I'm just I'm just calling it honestly. That's how I play it. I don't know. I think I think you just do it on purpose now to get me all fired up about players going to Montreal, Jason. I know. I know. I'm catching on. You're doing it on purpose. I think you know me well enough to know exactly where I'm going with that, Mike. <laughs> doing it on. I, I, twist, I like twisting that knife just a little. Just a little bit, yeah. Putting it in my. Put, tell, tell the pin cats that, right? Yeah, exactly. You're putting the knife into into my heart, and you're twisting and turning it before you go all the way through. But right, just gonna. Because if I end up right, you're going to shoot me. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But I, to be honest, though, I, I I understand where you're coming from, though, because Montreal's always in on these players. For some reason, it's always ends up Montreal was, like, down to the wire on these players. And Montreal needs They're always in, but they never, you know, and to be completely honest, I always say Montreal's in, but they never end up nailing that key player that they need. They haven't gotten a really key player that they need. Most of these players have gone to other teams. Yeah, so let's let's hope that trend continues. And uh, the other news out of Montreal is that they waived Alexander Semin. Yeah, and that was that was obviously small news. That's my minor news, but I, I figured that was going to happen when they when they signed him. I don't think Semin was was a good player for them. He he he's lost it ever since he was with the Capitals a couple of years back. So I don't think he that's a major major news. No, exactly. And also, and I'm going to catch you completely off guard when I do this. Kevin released his uh, prospect report just before we went on the show today, and I'm actually looking at it right now, going through a couple of the players. If you want me to go over, like, two or three of them. Yeah, you might, by all means, go right ahead. Okay, you got Danton Heinen from the University of Denver. From his update, he said, Heinen has appeared in four games since our last checkup. Uh, through 16 games, the Pioneer Center has registered five goals, six assists. In his last four, he's had one assist and a minus six rating. Oh, jeez. That's not good. He's so he he he's he's one of those players that's struggling, but you know you're a young guy, you're gonna struggle. Ryan Fitzgerald is a plus seventeen and has sixty five shots on goals so far this season. I like that. He, has, that. Scored three, he has scored three game winning goals like, for the uh, Boston College Eagles. I like to hear that too. Um, for Boston University, for Boston University, Jacob Forsbacher Carlson has stayed has stayed hot. He uh. His season totals are four goals, ten assists in eighteen games. He has a minus seven in his last five and a minus two overall in the season. So he seems like he's struggling in the last five on defense. But he's scoring. Uh, we got Zach Senishin, who I'm just gonna say he stayed hot. He has twenty one goals, eleven assists in thirty two games. That speaks for itself. Uh, he had a four goal game the other day, didn't he? No, that wasn't that like last week. I don't remember. I missed the stats on this week. Yeah, I think he had a four goal game week. last last week. Yeah, yeah. So, Sinitian, I think he's a player to watch. In my opinion, I think he's going to be a good next player. Year. I, I, he won't be in the NHL next year, but he's moving up by next year. That's not a question. He's, I'm not going to. I think he's moving he, up by next year. He's moving in the right uh, direction. For sure. And then you got Jesse Gabriel out of the Prince George Cougars. He has scored 20 goals and had 16 assists. Has a plus eight rating with 55 penalty minutes and five short-handed goals. Five short-handed goals, you said? Uh, Jesse Gabriel. 
Wow, that, that's good. That's, that's five, actually yes, great. Five shorthanded goals for the Cougars. That's great to hear because obviously that means he's he's playing. He plays well in his own zone, and he can finish the and he can finish the play the other way. So in his is, last in his last seven, he has ten points on four goals and six assists. So, wow, good for um, good for Jesse. It's good. I mean, I I haven't heard too much about him. So obviously that yeah. means the Bruins did a good job drafting him because he's penalty killing. He's scoring shorthanded goals, so he hasn't. It seems like he has a mix of everything. And, you know, last but not least, you got Jacob Zaboro. You know, we haven't heard too much on him. He's just coming back off injury. He hasn't, he hasn't scored a point. He will be playing in the IIHF World Junior Championships this year. Oh, he's playing? Awesome. So, Bruins fans, check him out. Obviously, these are your players you want to check out. So, so you definitely want to check him out. And that uh, that's Kevin's update on the Bruins prospects for this week. I wanted to catch up. While we could, yes, by all means, prospects are playing really great. Glad you did that. Uh, definitely caught me off guard there. That was not in our agenda, but you know what? I, I like the spontaneous little add-on there. So, but Jason, let's get into the the, the week ahead with with <laughs> Christmas being this week. The Bruins do not have that many games. They only have two games, and they play Buffalo next Saturday. But obviously, we'll get to Buffalo next Saturday when we do our show in. So the Bruins have two games. They're playing the New Jersey Devils tonight at TD Garden at 5 o'clock. And New Jersey is coming off a game last night. They lost to the Anaheim Ducks 2-1. to one. So and they they prob- they had to have played in New Jersey. There's no way they traveled from Anaheim. So There's no way they choked against New Jersey. I agree with that one. And the, the Bruins should be able to, to handle New Jersey tonight. And you, you said you think Gustin's starting. I think Gustin's starting this one, yes. I'm, that's just a guess. I've heard nothing from news. Um, but in order for me to add my predictions to be correctly, it just it makes sense. Tuka Rask has played the last two games. You know, give Gustafson the chance to rest. Give Rask a chance to I mean, give Gustafson the chance to play. Give Rask the chance to rest, especially when you got St. Louis coming later in the week. Uh, yes, so the, the the Devils are actually kind of a surprising team this year. They're, they're playing a lot better than I think people anticipated. They're... Two points back of a playoff spot, to be honest. And like we, I know we talked about how the East is all jammed up and congested right now, but two points in the two points out of a playoff spot is not bad for New Jersey when everyone thought they wouldn't even be close to contention. No, exactly. You know, New Jersey. I'm not going to argue that New Jersey is a bad team. New Jersey is struggling lately, but they're they're a growing team. They're very surprising. Everybody's already said they've been very surprised by this team. So, so you know they're going to come in and compete. They're not going to just lay over, but. The Bruins, if the Bruins come up and play their game, the Bruins should be able to roll them over. Should be able to roll over them. I uh, shouldn't have any trouble with that whatsoever. That I do agree with. Yes, the Bruins should be able to find a way to win. But uh, in- interesting point there. Obviously, I wish we had any. I wish we had some insight to see if if Gustin was playing. But <coughs> since you brought up the St. Louis Blues on Tuesday, I don't think it would be a bad idea to have Gustin play tonight. And yeah, give Tuka Brasca a little break and rest up for that St. Louis Blues game because. This is the game. This is the game that everyone should want to look at. This game is going to be incredible to watch because you have the St. Louis Blues, who have 44 points. They are second in the Western Conference behind only the Dallas Stars. St. Louis is loaded. They have Tarasenko. They have Bacchus. They have Shattenkirk on the back end. They have Petrangelo. This team is loaded from top to bottom, and Tarasenko is a treat to watch. The Bruins could, and this should be one of those physical. Hard-hitting games, the Bruins and Blues. So I'm looking forward to this game. No, you know what? I'm, do you want to predict this? Do you want to predict this one first, or do you want me to predict it first? I think the Bruins are going to lose this game. You think they're going to lose? Yes. I'm right now, I'm right now taking my time looking up stats from the previous game, seeing if this is a home game or an away game. It's a home it's game. It's a home game. Uh, the last couple of years, let's see. Um, let's see. I'm going to say they win. I'm, they're gonna win. They're gonna win it, and uh, probably gonna go into overtime. Overtime now, yeah. I think the Bruins are gonna lose this game. First, I just think the Bruins. I just think something's gonna happen where Tarasenko has a good game, or the Bruins defense. I think Kevin Miller may may have a turnover there and, and cost the Bruins the game. No, I'm just kidding. Even though I want Kevin Miller. But you're, you're talking about the young players playing up against a couple of young goaltenders, whether Jake Gallon's in there or Brian Elliott. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm crazy for that. And I think that the rest of the Bruins are going to have the fact that the players are going to be rested. I'm trying to look at the St. Louis Blues schedule to see 
Yes, the Blues play the night before. Oh, they do, huh? That, that's a factor into my into my prediction now. I'm not, I don't know. The Bruins might be able to come out. I I didn't look up the schedule. You know, the, Bru- the just- Bruins play Sunday. They have Monday off. You know, it's going to be a team that's a lot more rested. It's a good so. play. Yeah, I, I see your point there. They're playing at Philadelphia on Monday night, and then they come to Boston on Tuesday. So, you know what? I'm changing my mind here. I think the Bruins are going to pull it out because I didn't realize St. Louis played the night before. They're traveling a decent amount, and the Bruins will be, like you said, resting Monday night. They'll be hanging out, relaxing. So I'm going to pick the Bruins actually win this one. So I'm changing my mind, and I think the Bruins will win both. Okay, so let's get this straight. So if the Bruins win this, it's my prediction that's correct. So i still be up on you. Yeah, she'll still be up on me because, I, because, <laughs> because I'm changing my mind on you here. I'm, I'm switching I'm switching up my predictions. On. I, got, I, got, I got you to switch. I convinced you. Yes, you did. And you did a good job of doing that. So, so. so thanks for that because I think the Bruins will actually will pull it out too. No, I think the Bruins will play it out with, with uh, St. Louis tiring out. Yeah, exactly. So, so those are the two games for the week here. Uh, we'll be, we will be back next Saturday, our normal time on Saturday. I know we did the show on Sunday today, but you know what? We'll be back next Saturday to discuss the Bruins Sabres, and hopefully the Bruins and uh, hopefully the Bruins go two and zero this week. But that will do it for a Bruins beat. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at JasonBuckley91 at MikeSetta22. Don't forget to go to CLNS Radio, look up all of our Bruins content. We do a gr- great job there covering the Bruins. We also cover the Patriots, the Red Sox, everyone, everything you need is on CLNS Radio. Please go and check it out. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Bruins underscore Beat. Like us on Facebook. Give us some ratings if you if you don't like us. Tell us what to improve on. By all means, we take the negative and we take the positive. No, and absolutely. You know, I want to wish a Merry Christmas to everyone. I want to send a congratulations to Adam, our new manager for Bruins, uh, our Bruins coverage here at CLNS Radio. He's going to do a good job. And congrats to Jared on his new job, too. Absolutely. Those are two uh, great people that we work together at CLNS Radio here. Pretty much our CLNS Radio family. So, props to them. Congrats, Adam. Merry Christmas, everyone. I hope everyone has a great and safe holiday. Uh, don't forget to... Uh, get the CLNS radio app, right, Jason? You have the CLNS radio app? Yep, the CLNS radio app. You can like, you can get us uh, with the CLNS radio app. Just go on your phone app store and look up, CL, look up CLNS radio. Also, um, like I said, I'm trying to get the new email thing really started. Feel free to email me or Mike at BruinsBeat37 at gmail.com to give us your opinions. We can probably start reading them on the show. We're looking to get that going at the start of the new year especially with the Winter Classic up ahead. Absolutely. So um, we hope everyone has a safe and Merry Christmas, and we will talk to you next week. Go Bruins. Go Bruins.